Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Third Wheel Podcast. This is Caleb reaching out to you guys today. I hope you had a good Easter weekend. And here is my co-host, Shops. Oh, thanks for interrupting me. That's rude. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also got a very special guest today. This is Erica. Say hi, Erica. Hello. So today we are going to have a very serious discussion. We've never gone this route before on anything we've done ever. But we're going to talk. Erica is a licensed professional therapist. She has worked with... What different age groups, Erica? The youngest probably being like six oh. all the way up. And now I work with, I think my oldest client's probably in their 60s now. And marriage therapy too, something newer that I'm working no on. No way, marriage therapy. Yeah. Dang, I got fun. all sorts of questions. It's been fun. And we yes. only got her for an hour, guys. I'm so sorry. But maybe she'll come <laughs> back and we can talk more about that type of stuff. Yes. Mm. But uh, before we get to that, I hope everyone had a good Easter Sunday. Mine was phenomenal. How did oh. yours go? Oh my gosh, it was okay until, well not until, and then it got better is what I'm trying to say. It was going good and then it got great because I have, okay, you know what, I'll go into it in a second. It was fine, I'll keep it at that, but essentially I was very entertained for almost all of Easter and then some. And why is that? Because a roommate of mine, one of my roommates, shared one of the greatest things I've ever seen before. I don't know if uh, who goes to church or who doesn't, but a lot of churches will tend to put on like these Easter-like plays, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've only, I think I've seen one. Okay. Yeah. A lot of churches do. And some of them, most of them are just to be cute. Some of them are, most of them for just for the kids. And then they have like, you know, a tagged on the message at the end, whatever, right? Well, there's a church, I'm not going to name the name, that's in Canada. It's a Canadian church. Oh, so this isn't one you go to. This is not one I've gone to okay. or go to. And they put on like a full-on Broadway-style show almost every Easter. But the catch is it's always tied to a movie. And there are two elements that always remain the same. Number one, it's always a musical, no matter what the movie. And number two, there's always a crucifixion at the end. Okay, so that sounds horrible, but will you mind exp <laughs> just expanding on that just a little bit? Oh, I'd love to because I thought, you know, I thought like when most of you probably thought, oh my gosh, that's terrible, you know, like how awful. But then you actually watch it and you're like, wow, they actually, I, I don't want to stay convicted about their project. They're just so passionate about it, okay? So like, I'll go down the list, for instance. They're, they've done one every single year for probably the last 12 years. 12 years. They're all on YouTube. And the YouTube playlist is called The Church Play Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Church of... Yes. Okay. The, the one first one they them. did. The first one they did was in 2008. And it was Star Trek. Uh-huh. Then they did Pirates of the Caribbean. Wait, wait, so who got crucified in the Star Trek one? Captain Kirk, of course. Okay, of course, he says. Like, I'm supposed <laughs> to know that. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, let me tell you. I'll go, like, through the years, okay? So the first one was, like, actually, they're incredibly great at set design and costume design. Okay. But, you know, it started out very simple, like, two cameras, you know, like, kind of cheap lighting, and the audio wasn't great. But the message was And then was they the all same. had handheld microphones. And then, as you go on, like, past Pirates of the Caribbean, for instance... Jess Sparrow gets like, oh no, he gets strung up. Are you serious? Yes, and that is the crucifixion scene. Every single one of them has a crucifixion scene, and, and they come back, of course. There's Robin of the Hood, 2010. Uh, let's skip ahead. They did Batman. Where wait, wait, they do? No, stop. They did The Dark Knight, where he's strung up on the bat signal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they did Star Wars, where Luke Skywalker is crucified via um, carbonite chamber. 
That's not even canon. <laughs> That's not even in the movie. <laughs> they were, 2016, they did Ray of the Lost Ark where they had rapping Nazis. Rapping Nazis. <laughs> so, how, okay, how did they tie this into Jesus? Where, you know, did because Indian, of crucifixion. Are you telling me Luke Skywalker died for their sins? Like, how does this work? <laughs> Back to the Future, Marty McFly gets strung up on the clock tower. I'm not joking, by the way. And these are all like an hour long. <laughs> and there's so much. Yeah, you know, fun. at least they're respectful of people's time. That's, you know. uh, they did Lion King, Toy Story, Toy what? Story. Oh, who God. died on Lion King? Who died on Lion King? Simba. He's already an allegory for Jesus, almost. You know. He is. Oh, probably. You know, you could think you can make that argument. I'm sure. Oh, Sweet. All right, go ahead. Uh, there's the Avengers, where I met. I think. Okay. Please tell me they strung Hulk up on the New York City somewhere. You're so close. What What year did Infinity War come out? 2018. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this came out. I wonder if this came out first. Iron Man gets strung up and gets crucified on some girders. It's <laughs> not close to Hulk at all. <laughs> but I'm like, lied. no, no. What, I'm, what are you talking about? You tricked me. I thought he's it was just one cool. Avenger to the left. Uh, and the last one they did was the Lion King, and then this year they did uh, Beauty and the Beast, dude. Did every these single get year, strung up on this one. <laughs> I imagine so. I'm detecting a theme here. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like it's kind of cool because at the first you're like, man, this is kind of blasphemous, you know, borderline kind of wrong, right? I'm actually real close to being an agnostic here. <laughs> but then, like, you see the production just shoots through the roof. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, like they've got lav mics now. They've got like five different cameras. They're pyrotechnics. Like, it's a big production. That's I'm a fan. <laughs> I've I don't know. I'd have it. to see this. That sounds <laughs> awful. It gets, sounds like it gets worse every year. <laughs> what do you think, Erica? Do you have any thoughts on that? That, <laughs> that sounds intense. Um, would I watch any of that? I think I'll stick to the classic Jesus uh, crucifixion. I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like kind ba- of messing out. It sounds like Batman's Jesus now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm converted. I'm sold. Oh, oh man. my gosh! So yeah, that was my Easter, Caleb. How was your Easter, Erica? It was good. Spent it with the family this year. I got confetti eggs. Didn't oh. tell anyone, and we haven't had confetti eggs in probably close to twenty years because some siblings and relatives like to get aggressive. Uh, so I, I took a I took a chance, risked it, <laughs> and we all got along great. It was a lot of fun. Nobody beat anyone up with the with the eggs. Are you um, are you never worried about them not cracking when you throw them at people? No, not really. They did hurt though. They yeah. did sting whenever I they bet. would make contact. Especially when sure. the guys start throwing them cuz like they just yeah, just go that, all the way. Oh, yeah. That absolutely was the thing. So the, yeah. the guys did it. But I was shocked. I got this massive bag of uh confetti eggs for like 20 bucks. It's not bad. Yeah, I was shocked. I showed my mom and she was like, mm, "This might end badly." <laughs> <laughs> Is cleanup okay on those? <laughs> Uh, we, uh, we all the confetti still outside. Yeah, my dad said <laughs> nice. he'll, he'll use his little blower and get them. I'm kind of curious. We we don't usually go this route on the show just because you know it, it's not necessarily just a religious based podcast. But do you have any like interesting church stories? Like, I mean, I don't think anything will top <laughs> Iron Man getting crucified for the sins of the masses. No, but it won't. Yeah, do you have anything <laughs> like that that's just like just as dorky or weird? Anything like that going on? No, I think every my my Easter's have been pretty pretty normal there was yeah no i don't think we've had any crazy plays or mm-hmm. anything too mm-hmm. abnormal what about the but anything before the church we've gone we go to now because we go to the same church full disclaimer <laughs> yes no i think all of our services have been pretty pretty chill mm-hmm. um you know of course you get the debate of like should your kids believe in the easter bunny because that's not you know is that a debate now still it yeah oh well, i mean i guess growing up it was for me like, okay look <laughs> kind of like halloween right like celebrating halloween yeah like, you know yeah see my, my parents when i was when i was a kid 
any church you go to never called it Halloween. Was right. it similar to yours? It was always called like Hallelujah Harvest or something weird. What the what? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, trunk or treats. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so, what it's called now. And I've heard trunk or treat, and but... that's actually not a bad one. But it was always called something like that, Hallelujah Harvest. Or Hallelu- that, that sounds more wrong than Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What are we harvesting here? Harvest souls, apparently. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I never was brought up to believe in the Easter Bunny or anything like that. I never had that thing. They, my parents decided to tell me right out the gate, no, no Easter Bunny, <laughs> no. no Santa, no Easter Bunny, no, uh, no Great Pumpkin, you know, uh, nothing uh, crazy. Man, <laughs> I, I wish I could have that story. I believed in the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, and Santa Claus probably until I was 12. <sighs> I don't believe you. No, no, it's true. I legit don't believe you. No, okay, true. so how do they keep that up until you were a preteen? I, they didn't have to try. I was the one who. <laughs> I was the one who pushed you wanted to leave so bad. I got in. I got into fights at school because of it, you know. And they were like, <laughs> and then my mom's like, "Hey, you know I'm how so, you asked like a couple of weeks ago uh, if Santa's real? Well, we, me, me, and your father <laughs> just wanted to tell you that you know what, it, it, Jesus is still real, but everything so else is a myth. It took a major conflict at school. Not like so, a fist fight, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it took a major conflict at school for no, your parents to yeah. finally talk about. Hey, we should probably tell our son that it was this something like. Well, after like I got into like the fifth argument about it, I I asked them again just to be sure. That I'm back on the right horse in this. Yeah, because I got the money from the tooth fairy. Okay, <laughs> evidence, physical evidence. You I got, got the, the toys. You got the presents from Santa. Absolutely, man. Like. Easter Bunny, always a basket. Okay, there's physical evidence. That's how they get you. They put physical evidence, and then they teach the kids, you know what? If you see it, then believe it. How messed up is that? That's very messed up. Honestly. <laughs> Look at me. We dig into that childhood trauma? I'm about there? to say that's my next question. I have to cope by watching other churches do their Easter services <laughs> and imagining that Iron Man is somehow Jesus. Yes, I'm messed up. Well, now I, I got to ask Erica, so how do you think that affects a child's mental development? You know, just give your opinion. I'll pay extra if we're going to pay for this like a session. I, I don't mind, but I'm just curious to get your honest opinion on it. Like when kids grow up believing in the Easter Bunny yeah, and is, all is those. That, is there a, is there a professional cutoff point is there a, does it mess with them if they believe it when they're till they're 12 i think it's innocent i think because it's so normalized that it doesn't really cause too much t- childhood trauma but uh i know when my sister was 12 she still believed in the easter bunny and then they had to break the news to her and she was very distraught so maybe like some little trauma Nothing, no no big t trauma there. i felt like someone shot my puppy <laughs> well i guess i can't speak for everyone <laughs> yeah not everyone is as sheltered as you but no. yeah, there's, there's that too life you know environmental factors as well that mm. play into it i mean i think i personally outside of a professional opinion don't see anything wrong with having kids raised with like the easter bunny santa claus this this and that and then when they come to believe that it's not true like i think it just comes with time mm. i don't think it's like this massive well maybe in your case a little different this massive like rip the band-aid off moment of like everything's a lie so i mean you heard it here shaps from a professional opinion uh, gotcha. I'm you're a minority. Outlier. i see yeah so you're you're the exception to the rule here That's maybe okay. i should do a study on it i don't know i must say it was healthy until we heard your story <laughs> i was like right guys right yeah guys? yeah anyone else I think it's a good segue. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of this conversation. Mm. Let's do this. Okay. So. Disclaimer? T- Is there a disclaimer? No. Oh, okay. you, you, sir, do you mind if I finish next time? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So we've talked before about 
anxiety. We talked about our deepest fears, and that got me thinking about anxiety because you brought it up. But also, like for me, I mean, I think everybody gets anxious to some degree, unless Erica disagrees. Everyone gets anxious, but depression, like I don't know that isn't. Are the numbers high for depression amongst young adults nowadays, Erica? Do you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't have the statistics like right off my head, you know, top of my head. But since COVID, so in the last three years, we have seen a massive increase in anxiety and depression um obviously stemming from so many years of isolation and not being able to you know go out and socialize and so the people who now are going out and socializing and things are quote unquote normal uh now there's so much more social anxiety that's presenting and sometimes people come in and they're like early 20s and they're like i've never had social anxiety but i mean also we have to look at like the years of development too it's like okay a 14 15 year old is now coming into early adulthood young adult life and those are significant crucial years that they were missing out on you know Mm. development socially mentally emotionally Um, i was talking to a friend yesterday who's also a therapist who works in a school and she was saying that she's noticed that kids have their their level of resiliency has decreased significantly since coming out of covid because Mm -hmm. they're just they haven't been in these overly stimulated situations to learn how to cope and then they just run back to isolation and being alone and making only online friends because it's safer so before that what was the biggest factor that kind of fit into depression before covid like uh what what was a normal person who struggled with depression what fit into that i mean so I'll be honest, my career didn't start in, mm. in therapy until literally 2020, like oh, right okay. before COVID happened. Um, it was February 2020 that I officially moved into the mental health field. Just prior to COVID, I was working in a school with kids um, mm. before I was fully licensed uh, as a behavioral interventionist. And so I think a lot of times, and I it was lower income, so like their environmental influences and factors were so much different as far as stressors because it's like some kids are like i don't know if i'm gonna eat tonight because you know economically they their parents just weren't in a spot where they their needs were always being met um mm. so that seeing that that was a factor into a lot of the depression and anxiety for kids i was working with okay. prior to covid and then after covid yeah it was a lot of the social anxiety lack of resiliency just the isolation i mean also factoring in that tiktok became a massive thing and it's just like taken over which i hate hate tiktok by the way um because everyone wants to come in like they know what they're talking about and i'm not the professional (laughs) they're like i've learned this on tiktok and spent hours learning about trauma bonding and i'm like yeah no you don't have a trauma bond with your ex sorry as um okay so as technology has advanced and like say tiktok not not new new but pretty it's pretty recent Mm -hmm. and so with that with more social media stuff is that playing more and feeding more into people being depressed, people being anxious? Because they're so glued to phones, possibly, and now, I don't know, they're not as good socially or being indoors all day, staying on their phone. Is that feeding into the depression more? Yeah, absolutely. I see a lot of times where, I'll say specifically kids, have this false sense of connection because they're like, oh, my, my online friends are my best friends and I love them and like I just want to always be around them. The virtual mm. VR oculus i have one kid who's like oh my you know virtual friends are the best ones i have and i can't wait to get home to play with them and all day long they're dreading being in social situations and around like real people yeah that kind of sucks it does but they don't see it because they're i mean this specific kid i'm talking about is maybe 13 Mm. so you think of it i mean 
they were like 10 whenever the pandemic happened. That's yeah. a mass difference between 10 and 13. So anyone who was developing over the past couple of years through COVID is probably in a way worse position now than when they would have been normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm definitely seeing. More of isolation, social withdrawal, social anxiety, depression. I can't tell you how many kids I've seen working in the mental health hospital who do great in these smaller environments. And then the second it's time to go back to school, their regression is mm. significant because they have no resiliency and then they end up wanting to be homeschooled. See, I wasn't even thinking COVID. I don't know what you were thinking, Shaps, but I wasn't even thinking COVID before we even brought this up. I was just thinking like life, you know? I do think it's quite prevalent. However, I believe there are also some subjects we can tackle that are more uh, applicable to all forms of life, you know, uh, rather than just COVID, even though that is very significant. Mm -hmm. What comes to mind is sort of, uh, I would say, the advancement of ingenuity So you mentioned TikTok earlier, Mm -hmm. social media, where instead of just focusing on the bad, do you see any pros to social media? Because actually me and and, uh, Caleb have talked kind of negatively about social media plenty of times. Mm -hmm. But from your perspective, is there actually any positive sides or pros to social media currently? Yeah, actually, I, I say this all the time. It's like as much as I sit here and talk about how much I hate TikTok, I am definitely thankful for it because I think Generation Z has made mental health less stigmatized mm-hmm. because they're putting all this out there. I mean, I can't tell you how many, I don't have TikTok, but how many Instagram reels I'll flip through and like every two to three, and, and maybe it's just because it's obviously like tailored to like what I do and like my needs mm-hmm. and what I'm searching, but there's just so many short videos out there about mental health that kind yeah. of normalize depression anxiety Mm. you know and is it stressing out the whole time you're watching them no i learn a lot yeah but but i'm like i'm i'm not like taking these you know 30 second videos and thinking i know everything Mm. even as a professional Mm. and i think that sometimes that line that gets blurred but i will say in a positive aspect of things there's just so much knowledge out there for people to learn because mental health isn't mental health resources aren't always available to people and Mm. so if they can have other resources and they kind of have to do their research to make sure that they're fact checking it and not mm. taking a thir- one thirty second video and like, you know, honing in on that. Like, oh, I must be a narcissist or my ex <laughs> must be a narcissist. I hate that word. Uh, you hate narcissists? I, okay, or I don't want to say. I, I don't want to say. I don't want to say that I hate the word. I hate how the overuse of it. Yeah, okay. how overused it is, and it's like, mm. you know, oh, so and so is a narcissist. You know, my ex or my dad or, or this or that. if I say myself, if I say I'm a narcissist, that bugs you. Yeah. You okay. know, a word very similar to that was popular a couple of years ago, sociopath. Oh, when yeah. When everyone started, after the uh, that Jake Paul documentary, a lot of people started calling everyone sociopath, sociopath, mm-hmm. sociopath. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's weird how, like, mental health, everyone is more aware of it now. But also weird trends have come out of it. Mm-hmm. Like in a way, I don't think it ever has before. Yeah. I mean, maybe it has in other ways, but it's almost like, you know, when someone has the plague or you just want to accuse someone of having the plague just because they coughed, you know, or something like that. It's almost that situation where it's mass panic, where you see it broadcasted and suddenly everyone has access to the information, information that, you know, hundreds of years ago, only like trained professionals would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And suddenly everyone has an opinion, but also because of social media, everyone has a voice, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But it also creates a symptom of that is like this witch hunt mentality where everyone also is liable for accusation Mm. and labeling. 
So I think labeling is a big struggle with this generation. Yeah. On my generation as well. Yeah, for sure. I think it's similar. It's in the same vein as like Googling your symptoms. You're like, oh, I'm about to have a heart attack, yeah, you know, or, oh man, I must be having a brain aneurysm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And except now, like, like Erica brought up, it's on TikTok. It, it just pops up on everybody's feed. Yep. It's 10 seconds. Someone's giving you a happy meal of a, of a diagnosis, you know, just real quick. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Foreshadowing what we're going to eat today. <laughs> <laughs> this, this episode is sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> More on that later. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, I mm-hmm. think. Just a little bit, you know, and, and so many kids I know I know a bunch of teenagers now in in a healthy way, not a weird way. I know a bunch of people now that are like, you know, oh I I'm I'm depressed, I have anxiety, I have all these things. They're labeling themselves. And like I can't imagine labeling myself at twelve, fifteen years mm-hmm. old with some disorder and just going around my whole life saying, Yeah, I'm I'm disabled yeah. you know, somewhere in this area and just feeding into that, telling that about myself, like mm-hmm. yeah, it's just so I have, a, I have a, actually a question for that then. Do you think that to a certain age, ignorance is bliss and should be encouraged, not in the sense where we should not educate our children, but also so we don't open the doors to something that they could adapt to or adopt for themselves? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. So when I worked in the hospital settings, it was group therapy, so up to 10 kids, all broken up by appropriate age range. But sometimes I would have parents come in or I would assess kids Mm -hmm. and be like hey listen like the criteria that your kid has is super low Mm -hmm. i don't want to do more harm than good than putting them in a group with kids who have high acuity Mm self-harming you know major depressive disorder recent suicide attempts things like that because then that exposes them to so many other issues that they probably didn't even know were out there so yes i think to a certain degree there needs to be kind of a shielding for certain kids, right? Mm. But social media opens that door to have all this exposure. So a couple Mm. years ago, there was this trend on on TikTok, and maybe it still is, of uh, Tourette's and dissociative identity disorder, which Mm. is multiple personality Mm. uh, disorder. And and movies get that too. Everyone, some reason, multiple personality disorder. Maybe it's after that movie Split came out where Mm. everyone's just like, man, I like, you know, I got five people in me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can switch whenever I want. I think Mm -hmm. that kind of is what fed into making that popular. People are just so influenceable. I mean, myself included, you know, that's just how people are, right? Like, so, man, it's, it's crazy how everything is just the speed of knowledge that we are able to intake has increased so much Mm -hmm. you know like before it was only like okay you would learn one or two new things a day maybe in a week you know and now it's like every day every minute there's something that can be thrown your way and you at at a certain point when you've uh, seen so much imagery and you've been taken have been taken so much knowledge you can't really decipher what's truth and what's not or what's an opinion anymore unless you do research but the society doesn't really teach everyone to do research it just kind of throws things in your way Mm -hmm. and then relies on you to make that choice instead of encouraging you to do research encouraging you to actually seek that out for instance a lot of people don't seek professional help anymore because they Mm self-diagnose professional help is so underrated nowadays even people like in college for instance like have a professor you know like who encourages it or discourages it where do you think what age going back to my earlier point what age do you think we should be introducing these ideas to them or should it be more gradual and if so how gradual 
I don't think there's necessarily like an age to mm. start presenting it because the hospital I worked at and kids I've worked with were as young as six years old coming in. And a lot of times those are like mood disorders in the sense of like couldn't regulate their anger, mm. things like that. Not so, not so much depression unless they had like a massive amount of trauma um, growing up. But I think the age that I would probably put on it would probably be around 12 just because one, biologically things are changing so much so rapidly for kids mm, and that's yeah. confusing in and of itself. And then two, I think they have just more of an understanding of what these feelings are and just developing that emotional intelligence, even from a younger age. I think I think implementing that from such a young age so that by the time they get to an older age, mm. and if they do start to struggle with these things, they have an understanding. Communication skills is a huge thing that I teach across the board in marriage therapy, with adults, mm. with kids, um, of being able to adequately identify the emotions that they're feeling, communicate them, learning ways to sit with them and not always trying to distract and remove those feelings from them themselves. Yeah. So I actually got a quick thing before you get to yours. I'm surprised actually how many people are in therapy Mm -hmm. because the people that I, that I think like, man, they need therapy because they're kind of crazy, you know, or they're whatever. And then they're like, Oh, I'm in therapy. I'm like, Oh, like, I don't Mm -hmm. know. I think you need to fire your therapist. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. What were you going to say? Shaps? Oh no. I mean, keep going with that. Cause you have any more, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is there a good or bad therapist, Erica? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> well, absolutely. Dude, if you, if the camera was on her, guys, she didn't even hesitate. She's like, what are you talking? <laughs> about? She gave me, a, she gave me a look. She was like, oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think, I think you kind of also have to just like vibe with a therapist okay. uh, as well. There, mm. there are clients that I have that I'm just like, oh, I do not care for this person as a person. Sure. But I have to work through those feelings as a therapist to understand why they are the how way you, that they are. How do you how do you navigate that? That sounds Ugh. crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. So there's this. His name is Carl Rogers. He's dead now, but he was. Okay. Uh, so we're, a, we're covered. <laughs> he's he a therapist, and so he came up um, with these points of what makes a good therapist, and it's empathy. And like unconditional positive regard. And I think there's another one. Anyways, and so really, as long as you have these these three things uh, that Carl Rogers identified as making a good therapist, then it's like, okay, then you're, you're pretty solid. Um, whether you have this massive amount of skill and technique, mm-hmm. as long as you can learn to sit with those people in those feelings and mm-hmm. let them feel like they're seen and, and known and heard. Yeah. Um, and let them sit in those uncomfortable feelings, you okay. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you use the word empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of very curious about that. Um, and it's something that uh, my sister learns as well. She's going to college for psychology. Oh, nice. Um, she's going to, I should get, she actually just got accepted into a master's program. Congrats. Yeah, Congrats. Congrats. Well, first, let me ask, could you define the difference between sympathy and empathy? Yeah. So sympathy is, uh, there's this great video um, that's narrated by Brene Brown. And uh, it's one of my favorite ways that, you know, I try to explain sympathy and empathy to people. Mm-hmm. And so really sympathy is like you're looking down at a hole in a hole and a person's down there and you kind of look down at them. You're like, oh, man, that sucks. Like, mm. I'm so sorry that's happened to you and you've fallen in this hole. Mm. And then you kind of just walk away and 
you know, keep going with your life. Yeah. Um, and then empathy is looking down in the hole, choosing to go down in there with them and sit in those feelings with them. Oh, mm-hmm. man. And That's like, deep. yeah, acknowledge, help them acknowledge their own feelings and mm-hmm. you acknowledging their feelings as well. And just kind of sitting in it, not trying to fix it, not trying to help them move past it. But hey, we're just going to sit here together. Goodness. So it sounds That's actually deep. kind of dangerous to be a therapist because it sounds like you're not only choosing to acknowledge their feelings, but also to not inherit them, but to live with them or live through them in a way, in a way. In, Almost as if you need to experience it yourself in order to understand your patient or your friend or whoever it may be. Can so I'm imagining that gets dangerous at a time. Like some therapists probably lose themselves in that, and others thrive in it. Have you had any bad instances where like a therapist uh, shows too much empathy and not enough sympathy instead? Yeah, I think back to that question you initially asked me when I had that reaction of, is there a bad therapist and a good therapist? I was getting ready to revisit that. Yeah, um, I don't want to say like a bad therapist would have too much empathy, but Mm. it's like uh, I see 32, maybe 28 to 32 clients a week. Wow. 28 to 32 different people from age span of 8 to 60 Wow. You know what I'm saying? And it's like if I sit there and really set in that hole with them, even after they leave my office, mm-hmm. I'm no good for the next person that comes right. in. Yeah. And so there's, and I tell people this all the time, is that I truly feel like I was created to do this job. Like there's wow. just certain things that are ingrained in me to be able to be a good therapist. And I think Mm. a part of that also is learning to empathize with the person in the moment, but then kind of letting it go once they leave my office and Mm -hmm. then I deal with the next one. Um, I have asked you that before. And and that was a dang good answer. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's just a balance. And actually I was having a conversation with my cousin yesterday and she's a a social worker and a crisis intervention counselor Mm. um, for a school. And she said that they had taken a personality quiz in in college one time and compassion was kind of low on her list. Mm -hmm. And the teacher had asked, like, what are you studying? What are you going into? And she almost kind of was like, it's a good thing that your compassion is lower because if you had way too much compassion and empathy for people, your emotional bucket's going to be full halfway through the day and you're going to be mentally, emotionally drained. That's what I've heard before. And I Mm -hmm. find that so fascinating because some people just imagine it's all empathy or nothing, but you have to have boundaries and you have to have restraints and you can't pour too much of yourself or else you won't be able to help Mm -hmm. everyone else yeah and so my cousin even said she's kind of curious if she wants to get a male therapist because males just you know generally tend to be more logical Mm -hmm. and less emotional yeah not saying all female therapists are like in there crying with their clients all day long um but having mine wasn't (laughs) yeah (laughs) having that uh logical viewpoint is also so helpful because then we end up getting clouded as a therapist with their emotions mm-hmm. and they're already clouded enough that they need a different vantage point, mm-hmm. a clear vantage point from someone who isn't wrapped up emotionally to that degree yeah. with them. And and I tell people all the time, I, um, that, I, I tell people all the time that I struggle with empathy mm-hmm. and empathizing with others, but then I also tell, and, and then they give me a funny look because they're like, aren't you a therapist? I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, I know. I know where you're going with that. But I always tell them, like, I think that's what makes me a successful Absolutely. therapist is I don't struggle with it. My own personal therapist and I have worked through this. But what I came to the cl- conclusion was that I actively choose 
how much I empathize with others. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, with my clients, and that kind of helps protect me and create a safeguard to not get too wrapped up emotionally yeah. into and their problems. Interesting you said that, because I have heard that, that uh, a lot of people like to think that therapists just have everything figured out and mm-hmm. they are impenetrable when it comes to mental worries or whatnot. But actually, a lot of therapists are encouraged to have therapists. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is really cool. Um, it just kind of, it helps humanize therapists to me, mm-hmm. you know, like how we're all sort of on the same boat, but just some people know how to traverse it better or know how to guide you. But at the same time, because they're helping you, someone needs to help them. Like, I just think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, how long have you known your therapist currently? Um, I've seen her off and on for two years. So I went back to therapy in October of 2021 because work got so stressful and it wasn't mm. even the therapy. It was, I was working for a hospital and the amount of uh documentation and just like all the crossing your t's and dotting your i's was just horrific and i was insanely stressed working easy 10 to 12 hour days five days a week and then i went to so i actually this was the first time i ever was like i need to do something about this so i went to the doctor got on like some as needed anxiety medication and then also because i couldn't sleep like my mind was always just racing about work and what Mm -hmm. i need to do and it was just overwhelming the first like six months of moving full-time into my career Mm -hmm. and then also went back to therapy as well and i think that's just about all my sessions were about like venting about work and then also focusing on like what i can and can't control Mm -hmm. and then being able to like also deal with the fear of like not being a good enough therapist or Mm -hmm. like i'm not helping Mm -hmm. people enough and you know just a lot of like these irrational thought processes that we call thought distortions Mm -hmm. and being able to identify those and work through them so. I have to ask you something because yes, that, that, that really registered with me. You struggle with thoughts about like, I'm not helping people enough. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with those? Because I get those. A lot of people confide in me and ask me for help and ask me for, but you know, and I, I love helping. I do. But mm-hmm. sometimes I walk away thinking, I wish I could have done more. And like, how do you know when it's irrational? When is it not irrational? Am I doing too much? Am I not doing enough? How do you, how do you figure that out? Figuring out what healthy boundaries are okay. for yourself personally. Mm-hmm. Being able to also be okay with the feeling and the thought that like, we may never find out the answer. And that's one of the, like within wow. the first two to three sessions, the conversation I have with clients, because a lot of times they want to heal and they want to find the root and they want to, you know, which is great. And I'm like, yes, let's dig into it. I said, mm-hmm. I'll tell them, I said, listen, like you also, we also have to be okay with the fact that we may never know the reason why. And like, how do we reconcile with that? Mm-hmm. So. I don't think I can. <laughs> so, actually, let me let me fix my position where I'm laying in a chair. I'm just going through this session real quick. I want to I want to bounce back to a question you had, or not, just a point you brought up, Kate. Sure, you were talking about um, how certain people have therapists, even though they're acting crazy or whatever, you know, or completely disingenuine. Now, to that, I know I also know that um, a lot of therapy has to do with the patient, or do you, do you refer to them as patients? Uh, patient, client, client. Planet. Let's yeah. just say client. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of work on the client's part because they have to be willing to help themselves in mm-hmm. some case, right? Yeah. So how much work is distributed between the therapist and the client? Yeah, I used to tell people all the time, I need you to put in 51% and I'll put in 49%. Mm. I will never work harder. And I tell them this, I will never work harder than you. I see you one hour a week, you know, once a week. Mm-hmm. And it's everything else you're going to do outside of here that is going to matter and going to count. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to be encouraging. I'm going to help you through these hard times. But I don't want you to ever think that I'm going to work harder than you. Wow. Goodness. 
I didn't know you were so firm. Very, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, cra- that's crazy. I well, like that. there's so many people, and, and within the first session, too, I always warn people. I told, I keep telling myself I'm going to get away from the word warning because it sounds terrible. But I do warn them. I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. I don't sugarcoat things. I'm very direct. I'm going to be super honest with you. I'm going to keep you accountable because otherwise people, I think generally people think, if they've never been to therapy, therapy is just coming in and venting for 45, 50 minutes about their week. And I'm like, that's not what therapy is. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you think therapy is, then like, just go talk to a wall because yeah. you're not going to be paying me this much to just sit here and stare at you while you talk for 50 okay, minutes. So you're going to make people get the most out of their money. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that takes conviction. That's good. No, that is wonderful. You have morals. You got boundaries. That's awesome. I love that. We're not going to get to anything I actually wanted to talk about, but I am enjoying this conversation for sure. But uh, we're You didn't want to talk about any of this? No, no I do. But it's like <laughs> uh, the stuff I had in mind that I thought the conversation was going to go mm-hmm. was like, we're not even going to get to that, Yeah. which is fine. I, I'd love to have you back on at some point if you're ever free. I guess we got a few minutes left before we, tr- you know, we switch back to the regular tone of our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, it's almost lunchtime. Yeah, no, I'm starving. But... Um, my question to you, Erica, who needs, who does need therapy? Like, did, did, should everyone go to therapy? Should you, are there warning signs to recognize? Um, like, how do you know when it's like, okay, what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do isn't working? Yeah, I think, yes, to answer the question plainly, yes, I think everyone should be in therapy. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a little biased. I always joke and say that when I have a child, I'm putting them in therapy as soon as they turn 12 years old, pre before preteen, mm-hmm. you know, their preteen years, before teenage years, mm-hmm. uh, because I just, I see the value and benefit of it. Obviously, it's easy for me to see that. But yeah, I think, I think everyone should go into therapy. I had a client the other day who was like, yeah, no, my life is really good. And like, you know, everything's great. And, you know, just like minimizing and maybe just not fully aware. And by the end of the session, he, that poor man was in tears crying <laughs> and he was like, maybe I do have more stuff going on. <laughs> but I think just having a safe space for people to come in and talk about whatever mm-hmm. um, and process through feelings and emotions in a healthy way and just become educated on how you know, to increase their emotional intelligence yeah. is, is a benefit. How to recognize when someone needs therapy in themselves. I think, I mean, again, it, it takes a lot of like self-awareness to be able to sit there and recognize like, okay, here are my warning signs. Like when I am stressed, I tend to isolate. Okay. When do I know that I'm isolating? Mm-hmm. I then, you know, become more withdrawn and, and less interested in life and just kind of being mindful, I think is a key in that of, okay, have patterns of behavior shifted in my life. Do I feel feel you know not like myself have i not been investing in the things that once brought me joy um just you know a multitude of things but it it, yeah it does take a level of self-awareness to be able to get to a point where that person can say okay i think i think i need therapy for whatever reasons what about um now you're only i know you just got into it but marriage therapy and i'll be None, none of us, I don't think, here are married. I definitely wanted to like hear a lot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so well, what are the signs of like, man, we need to be in marriage therapy? Or should they always be in marriage therapy no matter what? Like, mm, I think I probably have like 10 couples, maybe a little less, on my caseload. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like... It's, yeah, it's getting better and I enjoy it more. But I would say probably seven of the 10 on my caseload came in because they were on the brink of divorce and one person had to foot their foot out the door and then that was enough for the other partner to be like, whoa, 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 like, let's get some help. And then, you know, that's just years of unraveling mm-hmm. issues and, and problems. Um, I have one couple who, 
I think it's on my caseload because they just want to kind of get ahead of it and they're a little bit more of newlyweds yeah, the last yeah. couple of years. That's nice. Yeah. So majority of the clients that come in, the one partner, if not both, kind of already have one foot out the door and gotcha. it's their last ditch effort. And, and out of those couples, obviously without giving too many details, mm-hmm. out of those couples, how many of them just one one person in the marriage comes in and the other the other spouse won't do it participate or won't show up oh won't show up won't even agree to go to therapy that's kind of the hope that i find in in these things is that when i have both partners there and both are participating i'm like okay we have some groundwork for sure to be able to have hope in this working and being successful and then it also if they're not screaming and arguing and yelling at each other in in the session that's also helpful because i can't tell you there's been sessions where i've had to end them almost early because the mm-hmm. level of disrespect mm-hmm. towards one another mm-hmm. was just horrific. I'm like, we're getting nowhere. Y'all are just sitting here screaming. At and one and it's usually both sides doing it. Yeah. If we have both sides doing it, it oof, that's, but is it ever, is it ever one side is doing it and the other guys or girls just taking it? And yeah. They're, they're I've, just sitting there. I've had that before and I've had to like intervene and yeah. like, if you don't cut that out, yeah, then you are leaving this session mm-hmm. and we're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just same kind of, kind of framework of challenging them and encouraging them and supporting them, giving them practical tools. And again, they got to implement them outside of the session. Are you always working toward keeping them together or are there times where you're like, Hey, look, this, this is not going to work. Y'all are not, you know? Yeah. I've gone back and forth about that. I mean, obviously in my head, as just a normal human, I'll have my thoughts of like, man, they do not need to be together like where they're at currently. Yeah. But if I see that they're putting in the work and, and using the tools and techniques that I'm giving them, then I'm like, okay, we can we can work with this. In your opinion, can can every marriage be saved? And obviously obviously it's a big world, not everybody. Sure. But, but for the most part. Majority. Yeah. Oh man. I think that's where my more my like pessimistic yeah. <laughs> mindset comes in. I'm, I'm gonna say too. That's Probably fine. not. Like, and okay. some of them just aren't meant to be together. Like, sure. it's just like you got to do what's best for you sometimes. And listen, mm-hmm. I'm not married. Yes, I have the tools and the education and things to back up, you know, my professional like viewpoint. But as a personal viewpoint, I'm gonna say no. Okay, no, yeah. that's that's great to know. Yeah. But would you say there there are therapists who go in with the mindset that every marriage can be saved, every marriage has a chance. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that outlook is necessary. I mean, like I said, personally, I'm I, my yeah. answer is no. Professionally, when I kind of switch, I tell everyone I have a therapist brain and a regular brain. Mm-hmm. When I switch into my therapist brain, I'm like, okay, like I can't. I have to have some hope for them sometimes. Yeah. I have to be the one that has the hope sure. for them. Because, yeah, there is hope still. Like I said, if they're willing to put the work in and both are showing up and being respectful and cordial and really putting it out there, then... There's definitely hope for sure. Okay. Okay. I have a question. Please. Were we getting your therapist mind or your people mind this entire time? <laughs> if it's one of them, we owe you a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> honestly, my therapist brain for sure. Yes. Okay. Crap. That was like Caleb, five... you cover it this time. I'll get it next time. I'll send like... the invoice. <laughs> it's like 500 bucks an hour, bro. What do we do? <laughs> oh, just dip. Just dip. There's, a, there's an easy loan across the street I can just try to grab something. Listen, I'll talk about therapy all day long. So this one's free. This one's free. Well, I mean, Erica, I'm really glad I met you. I'm glad we're friends. Kind of, we didn't meet by accident because, like, I, I started a small group and then she just happened to join. And I think I met you before that, though. Yeah, we were in a different small group. Yeah. Uh, that foodie group where we go yes. out to like local places and. I mean, cool. I think I that was like two years ago. Mike. Yeah. Because yeah. they, they only ran for like one semester mm-hmm. and I never saw them again. I know. That was a fun group. Yeah. It was kind of fun. And I'm glad you, you came to this other one and we kind of connected a bit. That's, that's great. It's been a great discussion. 
what was the other thing I wanted to ask you? Let's see. Okay. Oh, I, I wanted to revisit the good and bad therapist thing. Mm-hmm. What makes a bad therapist? I Just the stories I've heard, like my cousin the other day. And again, sometimes it's just personality clashes. Maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're necessarily a bad therapist. But my cousin the other day said she had a therapist who just talk or let her talk 75 to 80 percent of the time and she didn't like that she was like i need someone to push back on me i need someone to give me insight and she's that social worker so she has self-awareness but she needs to take it a step further with the outside perspective so like that wasn't a good therapist for her personally um and then she said also that therapist talked a lot about her own self in life so i would classify that as a bad therapist if like they're constantly like oh yeah, like I understand my family was the same way. Like that's called self-disclosure and mm. I personally don't like self-disclosing at all about mm. anything personally. Got you. Um, Goodness. Yeah, I had this client the other day ask me if I had had kids and he, he was so nice. He's like, well, he's like, that's kind of weird to ask my therapist. He's like, you don't have to answer that. He was like, it's okay. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> what else would probably make a bad therapist? I mean, one that I think isn't challenging someone. Like, mm. And, and encouraging them and pushing them to be a better version of themselves. Yeah. I use air quotes because I don't really like that statement, a better version of yourself. Anyways. Like, yeah. Almost like presenting an image of ourselves rather than us. Like authentic. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Authentic self. Yeah. What else would make a bad therapist? Okay. I'm going to be, sometimes things do get emotional, but I had a friend who told me that their therapist cried all the time in their sessions when they would cry. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was like, what? Well, yeah. I know, exactly, <laughs> that she would start talking, she had just, I think th- I think this is a friend who just had lost her mom, and then that therapist uh, knew of her mom, because we all worked at the same university, and that she would cry in majority of her sessions. But like, like, what kind of cry- do, do you know what kind of crying? Like, I mean, I think the girl would start crying, crying, the client would no, start crying, okay. and then the therapist would start crying. So like, but I'm like, I I don't know. I'll be real honest. If my therapist started crying, I would be super uncomfortable. Yeah, that's they're supposed terrible. to be like people get uncomfortable. Yeah, and like. I don't know. That would that would mess me up. I People get like uncomfortable that. when I start crying, so I can't imagine the, ther- the professional the therapist <laughs> like, doing it. I hate crying in front of people, but sometimes I can't help it. Right. Like if something Same. gets triggered, yeah. yeah, you know, that's when I start crying. Not if I see a sad commercial or whatever. Absolutely. If it's literally something that triggers me, and if someone else starts crying because of that, like I don't need that. Like that would make me feel even worse because I already hate crying at this yeah, moment. Absolutely. You know. I bet my problems are so bad that I made my therapist cry. Like, that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about it like that. Oh, Man, I'm too much for my doctor. Okay. Right? <laughs> so I actually have a qu- another question on top of that. Uh-huh. When you're searching, say, okay, hypothetically, everyone needs a therapist, right? How should you search for a therapist? Because there's so many out there. That's a great question. Ugh. Honestly. Oh. You mentioned some people pick a, wo- a woman or a yeah. man, depending on certain circumstances. What other categories? What other criteria comes you, you heard that grunt, and I think you might have stumped her. <laughs> no, no. I, I, think, I think just knowing what you're going to therapy for. Okay. What? Okay, is okay. it because I want to deal with past trauma? Is it because, you know, mm. I like communication skills? You know, am I struggling with unhealthy, you know, coping strategies to manage my feelings and my emotions like what are the reasons Mm -hmm. and being able to uh, understand yourself just a little bit yeah and then being able to go and most websites will have a bio about each therapist Mm -hmm. um and then you kind of just let that relate to whatever you're dealing with Mm -hmm. uh and then honestly it's just a lot of times i hate to say this but it's just kind of trial and error 
because it's also like okay on paper maybe this therapist fits all my needs but like when we go into session like they are not what i need personally Mm -hmm. um in regards to their personality and things like that yeah and i tell people all the time like hey if i'm not your cup of tea like Mm -hmm. that's okay too i'm not gonna be offended and i just lay it out there and tell them like my approach to Mm -hmm. therapy and if that doesn't sit well with them then it's like okay well i can adjust still as well Mm -hmm. like I'm meeting the client where they're at and what their needs are. But I try to give them like my core beliefs and my core approach to therapy. So with that, should you seek out to be to find someone who makes you more comfortable or someone who challenges you more? I think it's a balance. Mm-hmm. So if I don't feel comfortable, I'm not going to share as much with you. And if I don't share as much with you, then there's only a certain level of degree of challenge that can be presented. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it's a really good question. I'm I'm very impressed with that. I ha- I've been to a couple of therapists mm-hmm. and they were I mean they were good. Although I, I want to run the first one by you at some point in my life, maybe <laughs> okay. outside of the show, but I'm kind of curious about that. Do I have a good first therapist or not? But I, I do think I came out of it better. So I w- you know what you heard it here from the expert, not me. Her. Uh, she said everyone should go to therapy. Yes, please. If you, you haven't done it before, give it a try. It does it does help. My second therapist was phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. I got so much work done up here in the head. <laughs> so absolutely. All right. Awkward transition. Oh, is that the is that the lunch bell? <laughs> Ding. Um, All right. Okay. I asked everyone beforehand. We got here in front of us today in this this wonderful box, a Big Mac. I got it a little while ago, so I apologize for the temperature um, of it. Well, second I tr- microwave or once? I didn't put it. I, I put it. I didn't reheat it. Wow! So we're really getting the yeah. best version. Sorry, you hate that word. Version <laughs> of the Big Mac. <laughs> okay, my question to you, Shaps: Have you had a Big Mac before? So submitted by a friend of mine. Okay, so I'll be honest. Just about an hour ago, Caleb told me because I forgot that we were actually doing this today. He was like, hey, "Have you ever had a Big Mac before?" I'm like, "Of course I have." Then I thought about it. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, you haven't, have you? Haven't you?" I was like, "No." I don't think I have. Yeah. That's crazy. No, I haven't had a Big Mac before. I've had Quarter Pounders, but I have never had a Big Mac before. Does any anyone eat Big Macs? Anyone know? <laughs> like, um, that's their number one on their menu. I'm kind of curious. Does anyone actually so eat these? so weird. Like, I, I think my question is, like, what's the difference between a Big Mac and, like, a Quarter Pounder or, like, a double cheeseburger at McDonald's? From is what it I, the sauce? Well, from what I understand, a Big Mac is, like, stacked like this. Okay. And there was a bun in the middle. Uh, and a Quarter Pounder is just, like, a single... Like, not a single, but like a bun and then like maybe one or two patties. But like, mm. this is like stacked up. It's three. Okay. Bigger. Three buns on it. And I think the sauce too, right? And there's a certain sauce on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's a Big Mac sauce. I'm, I know there's Big Mac sauce. I'm looking at it now. Looks like someone mixed ketchup and mayonnaise, honestly. <laughs> see, of course, I know the pictures are fake. Oh, God, I see something I don't want on here. I'm just going to take it off. What is uh, that? I, I don't like pickles. Onions? Oh, pickle pickles. Guy. I love onions. I like pickles. Does anyone not like onions? I love onions, too. Yeah, onions are great. Honestly, the only thing I don't like on a burger is tomatoes. Okay, it's always going to look more advert... Ad, let's see. It's going to look appetizing. I almost said there advertising. Advertising. They so advertising. Maybe I should go to speech therapy. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It always looks more appetizing in the picture. That's no matter what you do, it's going to look fake on TV. But this looks very sad for a burger. I ain't going to lie to you. It's, it's, it's supposed to be a double. There's more than two buns on here. Yeah. You know, it looks weird. Do you have any thoughts on the look, Shaps? Yeah. You know how I feel about soda? I kind of feel the same way about most fast food uh, I see. restaurants. Well, so. I, I appreciate your candid, your candidness and your mm-hmm. openness and your honest opinion. It's, it's for the podcast, man. I what? will say McDonald's is one of my guilty pleasures. 
Guilty really? pleasures. I love McDonald's. I like the oh, breakfast. Oh, yeah, I do, too. Let me get this out the way. I love McDonald's. Okay. Yeah. Okay, um, where did that love stem from, please? Uh, my childhood. <laughs> ah, now we charge her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's minus $100 on this right? therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any memories of getting up super early to catch McDonald's breakfast before they close down and getting your McGriddles or whatever you got, the McMuffin? Yeah, my dad used to, no, he'd let us sleep in and he would go get the breakfast. So then for, gosh, for years, probably into my, like, 16, maybe 17, he would, I'd wake up and there would be McDonald's breakfast sandwich on the mm-hmm. counter waiting for me. So yeah. I guess I was spoiled. There was a lot, a lot of times when we were kids, we had to take road trips. And in the morning, while the sun's still coming up, I'd wake up in the back seat. I'm like tiny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, believe it or not, guys, I used to be a tiny guy. <laughs> and I'd wake up, the sun's coming up, it's blue outside because yeah. the sun ain't out yet. And mm-hmm. then it was like we got into that McDonald's drive through and it was phenomenal. Okay, yeah, as a kid, let me tell you, everything just bleeds excitement and joy. I mean, like, with everything being, like, red and colorful, you know, and then, like, the smell and the aroma, you're like, and the play place that, God, you would never, ever touch nowadays, <laughs> my God. It's time, guys. You your children. All right, I we have the time. I can't put it off any longer. <laughs> we have to eat this. Oh, I can put it off you. longer if you need do you, to. Erica, do you already pre-like the Big Mac? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's I, had I like one. it. Yeah, okay. yeah, I know she's I've had, had one. one. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't until my late twenties, maybe early thirties, that I got one. Wow. Okay. All right, it's time for Shaps to give us the the ruling. Let's... I'm excited. I get ruling. <laughs> oh boy. Let's do this. Three, Ready? Two. Synchronize. Everyone except Erica took a bite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also have my Invisalign in, so I'm gonna have to take it to go. But trust me, I'm gonna eat it. Okay. I am tempted. Are you not bugged by the temperature? <laughs> And whatnot? Are you gonna reheat it later? Me? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. No, it's fine. That's right. McDonald's is McDonald's, bro. Yeah. Like she, 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 she doesn't care. Find a French fry five Dude, years one... later that hasn't decomposed in the okay. side of my car. That's so. quite disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Y'all have never seen that? The lady ordered a, a meal from McDonald's and like uh, preserve, like didn't preserve it, but she like put it away under like this little casing and it like looked the same almost oh i've, the I've time seen she that bought before it. Yeah. Oh, while y'all are eating mcdonald's i'm giving y'all like this yep no it's great it'll survive the apocalypse oh yes tell you what That's nothing has ever killed my appetite did you bring napkins by chance Mm-mm. <laughs> i became prepared look okay you didn't have to wait in the drive-thru for 30 minutes oh another this. please pull forward story yeah, I Caleb. Texted you wow, wow, really original I told you why I was late to get here. It was because I was sitting in that drive-thru, and I finally got to the front. Like, oh, yeah, we please pull forward. I'm like, <laughs> I ordered the number one. That's like their main thing, man. They're yeah. like, oh, we don't, we weren't expecting mm-hmm. that. Now, this burger has sesame seeds on it. I didn't say, give me 30 sesame seeds only. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just oh, so annoying. I'm sorry. Hold on. My, my brother wrote in and gave us a nice, healthy explanation for why they ask you to pull forward all the time. Mm. For, for seemingly no reason. Let me, let me, let's read this. Okay, I know we had a guest on here named... Matt, but my brother just also happens to be named Matt. He says, I'm not sure if this offers any insight, but after working for a drive-thru for two years, there's a reason why they ask you to pull forward. You ready for this? Uh My experience is that there is this little TV monitor above the cashier calculating the time it takes for an order to be completed. If you're completing orders quickly, the numbers on the screen recording your time should be green. If you start falling behind, the numbers will begin to turn yellow and eventually red. Once a manager notices that you've fallen behind, you'll be chewed out for a good two hours until you fix it. The best remedy to solve red numbers is to ask people to pull forward in order to doctor, he put that in quotes, your performance. <laughs> the only other reason would be that there's a pickup order behind you and it would be faster to serve that vehicle than have them wait while they make your food, even if it's a basic item. 
that's my experience at least hmm. you know some good insight i've never worked the food industry i'm blessed with that too i've never had that issue i've never worked fast food i have worked food before oh yeah no i could never where'd you work food wise chefs i worked in an assisted living facility as a cook okay. oh, nice. well you said that really fast but i still understood <laughs> you maybe it's because we've been friends for so long <laughs> i still hear what you're trying to i'm just used to saying it a lot guys we had such a great conversation today as i try to eat this without a napkin but um honestly it wasn't that bad <laughs> no wait did you finish yours yeah <laughs> I've been carrying the conversation so hard. Me and Erica have. It's lunchtime, bro. Gave you time to eat. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't dampen your appetite. No. Erica, thanks for coming on. This was fantastic. Yeah, this was it fun. It was such a good one. Those fries are sad, though. Oh, yeah, because they were good when I ordered them, and then I put them in the microwave waiting for them to, you know, anyway. No. Erica, I hope we can have you on again so we could actually talk about my personal problems. And I'll pay you. I don't care. <laughs> no, I, I've actually, I, I've fixed most of them. And I, you know. You did, huh? Yeah, I know, right? No, I mean, like, I, I've, I've been, I know what they are and I've been trying to work on them. So it's not even like I need therapy. I, I mean, I know we all do, at least, you know, in your opinion. We all need therapy. Sounds like he's been watching but, TikTok. But I, I want to talk about, like, what I did. And, like, I would love to know, like, did I handle stuff in a healthy way mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, um, you know. And just kind of go from there at some point. I'd love to have you back on, but it was such a great discussion. Yeah, let me know when you're ready for part two of mental health. Absolutely. So we can call this part one. We're pretty sure you're going to come back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like I said, I'll talk about therapy all day long. Okay. Well, guys, it was such a great episode. I'm going to finish this burger. We are filming a couple episodes back to back, so give me some time. Love you guys. Shaps, say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Erica. Goodbye. Bye, guys.